The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. And as you may have heard already, this will be the final Thursday edition of the show. We'll be moving to Tuesdays beginning next week. Maybe not all of you are aware of this. Not even the whole panel was aware of this. Uh, so listen, in good news, you're going to get two shows in five days. How about that? But uh we have questions that are unanswered, we have a lot to discuss, and we are making history with our first ever triple threat match on BTL. So let us introduce the combatants, we'll get to our first question first. We welcome in the Prince of Positivity, the co-host of On to the Next One, the weigh-in show guru from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. AK, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Mike. I'm excited to have... A UFC free week, but also we do have some action from the PFL and Bellator on Friday. So, you know, no rest, no rest for us, but a nice little, a nice little change of pace. So that's exciting. So I'm happy to be here and happy to be here with on this historic episode. That's right. You got your AEW shirt on. So triple threat rules. I'm wearing yes. You're very familiar Kenny with Omega it. <laughs> and Chris Jericho are on my chest right now. Oh, there you go. So this is for the, this for is the listeners at home. This is perfect. And. Back from a few weeks away, he had to, you know, re-energize, hit the refresh button a little bit, and he's back to claim the winner's throne. Fiery hot takes are soon to happen here on BTL. Let us say hello to MMA Fighting's Jed Mishu. How are you, Jed? I'm, I'm doing great, Mike. Look, everyone knows champions don't make excuses, but the reality is the last time I was on this program, I was compromised. Uh, I had a nasty case of the flu. And, you know, champions, they, they just show up anyway. They, they show up to, to, to do what they can do. But I think we're going to see a much different outcome now that I am no longer hindered by the chemical warfare that I, I feel my opponent may or may not have, but may have enacted upon me. All right. And let us introduce that man. He's not looking to just take out one member of the site. But two in one fell swoop from UFC.com. He's got his own newsletter. The man is all over the place. Let us welcome back E. Spencer Kite. How are you, sir? I'm happy to be here. I've beaten each of these guys individually. Why not beat them at the same time? 
I I mean I love just we we start off right away with with champions don't make excuses but here's my excuse this is going to be all kinds of fun I can't wait let's do it it is going to be all kinds of fun but let us take care yeah. of some business first go ahead we're going to talk ahead. about Tito Ortiz and so it just felt <laughs> got to set the table correct that's right you know I didn't quite have a cracked skull but I I was bedridden and just. For, for weeks, really, just took took two hours out of my day to come for the fans and for the people, because that's who I do it for, Mike. I'm here for the fans. And we appreciate that very much, Shed. So let us begin with the unanswered questions, because last week we turned it over to the fans themselves as to who would be the winner of the matchup from last week's show between AK and Spencer. They both gave their reactions to the booking between Fedor and Tim Johnson, which, by the way, I spoke with Tim Johnson for what the heck. He is handling this all beautifully. But we had a lot of people chime in on this, whether it be on Twitter. Some people texted. We had a lot of DMs on Instagram, which I had to count this morning, and it took quite a bit of time, more time than I could have possibly expected. But as I noted, not only would the individual who got the most votes win last week's show, They'll still be here to debate topics here, but also we'll get an automatic buy into the knockout round of this triple threat matchup. So with the votes tabula- tabulated, the man who will reap those wonderful benefits is Spencer Kite. He is playing with house money here. He will get to the final question. Now, let me just add, this what will not... Is- I, listen, they, they they love you, AK. Everyone was very kind in their answers and their responses. I love AK, but Spencer just just had the better argument. They agreed with him, and that's that's it, AK. I'm sorry. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to all the people who supported me who are feeling so robbed right now, <laughs> whose voices are not being heard. I I'm not going to demand a recount. Not in this climate that we're living in today but i'm just saying i i would love to see those actual i would love to see those actual numbers mike i would love to see the numbers it was very close ak it was very close it was back and forth um but people just and no one was mean about it they just some people just loved you ak and picked you because they love you and most people just went with with spencer and and that's it it was a very close thing but i will say that will not happen this week i have put a contingency plan in place since casey lyden is not here he will not be here so that will absolutely not happen again this week we will have a winner more on that later on but spencer congratulations let's have a bs contingency plan where sean alshadi comes in and like and is the judge specifically so he can give me a loss Despite the fact that I argued circles around my opponent? No, Sean Shadi will not be okay. here today. I can guarantee you that. But uh, Spencer is in the knockout round. Jed AK, only one of you will make it to the knockout round this week. One of you will be going home. And only one of my wonderful colleagues will get to that final question. And, and I will judge the four rounds as a whole. So we're doing pride rules this week on BTL just to keep things on the up and up. There'll be no tomfoolery. There'll be no ties at the end of four rounds. I'm judging on the whole of the episode, all right? So let's get into this, gentlemen. Let us discuss the fallout of UFC 265 this past Saturday night. Let's talk about the official coming out party for one Cyril Gaon. Completely dominates Derek Lewis. Striking numbers were outrageous. This was a masterpiece from Cyril Gaon as he is now the interim heavyweight champion of the world. Jed, we will begin with you. Let me just start here. Did the way you viewed Cyril Gaon after that win change a lot in your mind compared to where it was heading into it? 
No. Uh, I It just it reinforced what I already thought. Like, I mean, I've seen that narrative a lot, and I'm a little surprised because, uh, well, to be frank, I was stunned by how many people picked Derek Lewis coming into this thing. Uh, I think most of our staff felt that Derek Lewis was – He's going to do it, and I, I love it. I love the optimism. I love the hope. Uh, I've I've been a fan of MMA for far too long to have hope, and it was very <laughs> obvious to me that Cyril Gaon is uh, a much better fighter than Derek Lewis and is not, you know, def- he's not deficient enough or dumb enough to walk into a big right hand, so he was going to win like this. I, I was a little surprised how quickly he was able to turn – like turn the corner, right? Like I thought uh, Gon was going to win maybe a late stoppage, but you know, probably a, uh, a decision. But when he, when Lewis's leg gave out on him, uh, Gon, Gon smelled blood and he finished it. So that's really the only thing that uh, impressed me or, or I guess not impressed me because all of it impressed me. It was a great performance, but that's the only thing that I wasn't entirely expecting was just how fast he snapped on that killer instinct uh, but yeah, I came into this fight thinking Cyril Gaon was arguably the most difficult challenge for Francis Ngannou in the division, and I left this fight thinking exactly the same thing. What did you make of Cyril Gaon's performance, Spencer? How much did it did that performance change your view on him? Same as Jed, not at all. I mean, I I picked him going in. I've been I've been as high on this guy as you can possibly be from even before the UFC he was fighting up here in, in TKO in Montreal and looked good um, to go through the progression he's had as quickly as he had. There was no way for me to like, the only thing for me was figuring out where his ceiling sits. And I still don't think we have, I mean, as Jed said, to go out there and, and have the performance that he did to have that opening, create that opening to finish and then pounce. We saw that early in his career with a couple submission wins he had those couple decisions where the guys he was fighting didn't really give him opportunities. They played it a little bit safe. They were a little bit back and and kind of just made it so that he goes out and he gets 25 minutes of of cage time and he looks great. And, and Derek Lewis, the fight played out a lot of ways that I thought it would, except for that third round finish where, you know, as soon as you saw Derek start to you know, mess with his eye a little bit when he got punched a couple of times and they were both from punches, the leg goes, and Cyril Gaon just, just jumps right in and, and shows us that he is the elite heavyweight we thought he was, or a lot of us thought he was going in and sets up, ideally, fingers crossed, knock on wood, a matchup with Francis Ngannou that is just amazing to me. AK, we, we, I mean, we've talked about this event and this fight a million times at this point, and we got your thoughts on this on multiple shows. Heavyweight has always been, you know, baddest man on the planet, scariest guy, always has that look of just just a scary individual. And Gon, you know, still wants to be the baddest man on the planet, but his approach to the game, it's definitely not the same as others. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's not a big trash talker. He just smiles and has fun and goes out there and wins fights. So, AK, let me ask you this. Is this a good thing for the heavyweight division in the UFC? Can the UFC build on this to the point where Gon just can't be a great fighter for them, but maybe he could become a star for this organization? Uh, I'm always hesitant to say anyone can become a an actual like mainstream crossover star outside of a select few. Um, even even like a, like a Conor McGregor, I remember when he first burst in the scene, 
came on with so much hype behind him, and I wasn't sure, but uh, obviously he surpassed all those expectations. But uh, I mean, he can be he can be someone that you can build the heavyweight division upon going forward. Uh, I don't know if that makes him a star necessarily, because again, when I think star, I it's really only a few names: McGregor, Ronda Rousey, like Brock Lesnar, uh, maybe uh, like more recently like Jorge Masvidal. Uh, the Diaz brothers, again, guys who can kind of cross over. Uh, I don't even know how much appeal he can have in the world of MMA. Like you said, he's super nice. He's just not going to build up a fight in a nasty way. And there's ways, I mean, the, I mean, there's certainly ways to become a star that way. I, I, I keep comparing God, his fighting style, to George St. Pierre. I think he's like almost going to end up being like the George St. Pierre heavyweight, where people not might not always like how technical he is, but if he can rack up, if he you know should get past Ngannou and rack up a bunch of defenses, then then you you have a real draw in your hands, um, and also then that affable personality becomes unique in this uh, business of so many people kind of emulating each other and talking the same way. So, so and that's so there's an outside shot that he can become an A tier star. But I I'm, I really see his ceiling as like B tier, uh, which is fine. Again, that's that's again most UFC champions I would put in the B tier, uh, and his personality will help him in, in that regard. But I, I just don't think he's a larger than life uh, in such a way to become to make it to that next level. Um, and how much does winning the title and beating Derek Lewis the way he did help him? I, I don't know if it changes that much. I think it's nice to have a championship belt for sure. But also, um, it, again, th- this performance, I don't know if it won people over who weren't fans of Gone in the first place. So Q rating wise, he's, he's kind of is in almost the same range as he was before. So, as we all know, AK, Gon's going to go on eventually and face his former teammate Francis Ngannou to unify these titles. And personally, I couldn't be more all-in on this fight. It's just really interesting, like recency bias or not. I know how the sport works, but the storylines, the styles, Gon just looking so good technically against the life-altering power of Francis Ngannou. I love it. AK, are you all chips in the middle for this fight? And, and how do you gauge Cyril Gon's chances against the terrifying Francis Ngannou? I mean, I'm all in, but I don't like this talk that like, oh, we're de- we're definitely going to see it now. These interim these interim titles guarantee nothing. They guarantee nothing. It's the logical matchup. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who are still hoping that this, that you know somehow John Jones and Ngannou gets made. Uh, you know, when when 2022 rolls around, maybe Ngannou doesn't fight for the rest of the year. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, he's. I know he said he was expecting to fight in like September. Which is why you know a lot of us are, are saying like why did this interim fight even happen? Couldn't he have fought? Couldn't he have waited a month and had him, had him fight Lewis or gone then? And it's, anyway, so that's a whole mess. So theoretically, he should be ready, but I don't know. Everything changes every week. If if John Jones talks pick uh, uh, pick back up again, then he's gonna wait. He'll wait till whenever John Jones is ready. I don't think he'll want to fight someone before John Jones, right? So personally, yes, I hope this fight happens. I think it's a great, great, great heavyweight matchup. Again, mainstream appeal. I don't know. Is this something that can that can like uh, where both guys are so you know so respected and so well known now that they can crack like seven hundred thousand pay per view buys? I think that's a stretch. But maybe I'm underestimating the the inherent draw of the heavyweight title. And again, Francis Ngannou still fresh off that win over Stipe. This will be his first defense. So maybe maybe there's more interest there. But uh, yeah, I love Gon's chances. I think, like everyone's saying, he's so technical, so athletic. He has the perfect style to deal with Francis Ngannou to avoid uh, getting that big kibosh, as it were. Um, I, I, I'm leaning towards the champion. I was not surprised when I saw the early odds come in for Gon. He had just won a big fight. I get it. MMA is 
maybe the ultimate what have you done for me lately business. So it's fine. But I think when uh, when the fight actually rolls around, I bet Ngannou will be favored. I bet it'll tilt in his favor, but nothing like crazy, maybe like a minus 150, something like that. Um, but again, Gan is a super live uh, underdog, if you even want to call him that, given how he's dominated the competition so far. And uh, he absolutely has the tools to beat his his former teammate. Spencer, what are your thought, thoughts and lines? Because like, as you, as you know, covering the sport, odds makers put out future lines like in case this fight happens. And the lines got reopened right after Saturday and gone opened as the minus 130 favorite, the comeback on France and Ghanu currently is at plus 110. Are you surprised by that? Like, did the odds makers get this one right, in your opinion, when they reopened this thing? I'm not surprised at all. And I mean, yeah, I think they got it right because exactly what AK said. You set lines, they often get set by recency bias. So we just saw a great performance from Serial Gone. It's been a few months now since we saw Francis Ngannou. And the other thing with lines, the same as the other thing with, you know, the point spread in, in football as we got the NFL coming in a, in a couple of weeks, is they're made to encourage the most betting. And so when you set Francis Ngannou as an underdog, all of the people that think there's no way this dude can lose and I'm getting him at value are jumping on there. I think we'll see this end up probably pretty close to a pick em just because there are arguments on each side and the more if it ever comes if it does happen and the closer we get to it and we're seeing the highlights from Francis Ngannou's performances and we're remembering just how impressive he looked against Stipe Miocic and the fights previous to that I think it'll narrow and and maybe as AK said even flip to where Francis Ngannou becomes the favorite but as for the immediate it's perfect to me. We we saw it come out the way it did because of what we saw last Saturday. It'll change a little bit, but it's it's the exact right way to do this to get money on both sides, which is what, you know, sports books and 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 betters want. Where would you line this fight, Jed? How how much of a chance are you giving Cyril Gan to beat a guy a lot of people feel could be the heavyweight champion for a very very long time? I think it's a really good chance. Uh I I would want to. I want to take a little more time to kind of give a a pick, if you will. But I I think this is at least fifty fifty. Um, I could see this. I mean, AK mentioned a GSP uh, previously, and I I could see this gone being a GSP in in that uh, Ngannou serves like Matt Hughes. The first time he meets him, uh, he just has a little bit of a, a back step. But then when they rematch each other in a couple years or maybe in, in a year or so, uh, then Gan's got it. I, I think one of the things we don't talk about enough with Francis Ngannou because he's so young in the sport, he's actually not very young. He's like 36. Um, and even at heavyweight, you can, you know, be successful in much deeper into your age range than for other divisions. But 36 is still that's a questionable time for any professional athlete to continue being an elite level professional athlete. So, uh, like, I, like I said on fight night right after it happened, I, I think Ngannou is the greatest athlete that the UFC has ever seen other than maybe Yoel Romero. Like, just that physical power, presence, ability. Like, I, I think that he is the top ever. And that is good enough because he's also super tough and has some underlying technique there. That's good enough to carry him over basically everybody. But the guy who's going to beat him is going to be a guy like Shogun who – is also a really, really A-plus athlete, but has a lot more of a technical depth than Ngannou does. 
So <clears throat> when they match up, and I do think that's what's coming. I don't think we're going to get any other sh- chicanery going on. Uh, I could see Gon just outpointing and gone over the balance of five rounds because he can throw a little more volume, be technical, be safe. But I can also see Nganu just being the greatest athlete the sport's ever seen and blowing his doors off. Either way, though, I don't think Nganu beats gone, you know, three or two out of three. I think these guys are going to fight multiple times over the next few years. And I do expect at the end of all that gone to have the belt for real, for real. I love this fight. I cannot wait for it. Hopefully we see it by the end of the year. I'm very intrigued by it. But that was the main event for UFC 265. I'm actually like exhausted talking about Cyril Gaon. I mean, he deserves all the praise, but I've just been talking about it so much. So let's discuss the other big talking points coming out of that event. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. A lot of it has to do with, you know, where does this person go from Saturday from that fight in Houston, Texas, that event. Let's start with Jose Aldo, Spencer Kite. The man put on a 15-minute masterclass against Pedro Munoz. He continues to defy father time, and he's still a major player in this game. Now in a different weight class at 135 pounds, which, you know, you can have the debate on whether 135 or 155 is the best division, but you can't argue that 135, 135 is the deepest division in the sport. There's no doubt about it. It's not easy to do what Jose Aldo did to a guy like Pedro Munoz, and Jose Aldo went out there and did the damn thing. So my question to you, Spencer, is what did you make of what we saw from Jose Aldo on Saturday night, and what is the fight to make? I mean, like you said, it's it's impressive to see a guy go out at his age with the miles he has on him down a division from where he dominated, where it didn't start great and have a performance like that against a guy that has been a stalwart in that top 10 for four, five, six years now. And Pedro Munoz, who just racks up fight of the night performances, who's in, who's a tough out for anyone that shares the octagon with him to go out there and constantly beat him to the punch um, and win a clear, clean decision was, was a tremendous showing and, you know, kind of reminded everybody that that Jose Aldo is still very much in the thick of things here at 135. What I want to see next is Dominic Cruz because there's a part of me that thinks, and look, I'm a, I'm a big Pedro Munoz advocate, but there's a difference between be, beating Pedro Munoz and beating those guys in the absolute upper tier of this division 
like TJ Dillashaw, like Rob Font, like Corey Sandhagen, and like the two men that will fight for the title later this year. And so I want a little bit of that nostalgia. I want Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz, old school WEC throwback, get Joe Martinez announcing it, maybe even do the little blue cage setup, get Dave Schaller to come back and hang out cage side and just love it. But I think we're going to see him fight one of those guys that isn't in the title picture. He asked for TJ Dillashaw. It makes a lot of sense, both in terms of the name value of both guys, where both guys are at in terms of the division, in terms of kind of waiting to see how things shake out. But I kind of just feel like if he gets matched up with Dillashaw or with Font or with Corey Sandhagen, it gives us a little bit of a reminder of that Piotr Yan fight where it was competitive early, but then it just can't be competitive late because Jose Aldo just doesn't have the juice to hang with the absolute elite class of this division anymore. AK, Jose Aldo continues to go out there and impress. I know we talked about this and on to the next one, so you have a little bit of an advantage here. Have your thoughts changed on this? I mean, wax poetically on what Jose Aldo did on Saturday and what is unequivocally the fight to make next for Jose Aldo Jr. Jose Aldo is still like the best striker pound for pound in like in the world. I, 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 I just real I really stand by this. Uh, I, I'm, I know there's, uh, you know, there's evidence against, there's empirical evidence against it. We've seen him lose fights. We've seen him lose fights to Max Holloway twice. Okay, so I understand it. But from this technical, from like a technical aspect, and just from, gosh, there's something musical about the way this guy strikes and, and when he's fighting, and it's and it's so missed, um, you know, when 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 we don't when we don't get to see him fight often enough, and it, it's so it was great to see him back in action. I don't care so much about ever seeing him compete for like a title again if it happens great you know but spencer mentioned like we i believe he can't compete with the top guys at at, uh, at 135 anymore there's reasons to believe that should fights go into the fourth round fifth round he's a bit up there in age he's got a lot of mileage those those, those are not ideal scenarios for him because he was putting up a great fight with uh Piotr Jan. i just feel like Piotr Jan outlasted him and Piotr Jan's a great fighter that's fine so I, I'm totally for you putting Aldo in almost this legends rotation, but again, with other guys who, with one or two wins, could be back and you know could be back in, in a title picture. I'd love to see him fight Frankie Edgar again. I know that story's been told. Two fights. If it happens in 135, I just it'd be cool. Ahead of that, of course, uh, 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 Dominic Cruz. That's the fight we all want. I I I don't believe at all in the oh Aldo will kill Cruz at this stage of their careers. I don't understand that at all. That's a magnificent. That's a dream fight. That's a fight that we should all be clamoring for, not not shaking our heads at like, oh, I know who's gonna win this one. No, you don't. Stop being. No, you don't. MMA fans. I'm I'm just debating with Jen on MMA fans now. I'm not even Jen and Spencer anymore. And and then of course uh, there's the possibility of a Dillashaw fight, which uh, I'm sure Dillashaw would be amenable to as well because he's a big name. And if Dillashaw has to fight again for getting a title shot, he probably would see Aldo as a winnable fight, which again. I don't know about that. Uh, and again, so, someone with the, with the kind of um, reputation and, and, and uh, value that Dillashaw wants. So give him these older guys. I don't need to see Aldo in there necessarily with like the Rob Fonts or like a Marab Devalishvili. Maybe some way down the road if he really just wants to stay busy, uh, you know. But give him, at this stage of his career, give him these these magical dream fights that we've been waiting for. And if he falls backwards into a title shot, more power to him. But otherwise, just let me watch the man cook. 
Let me. This man is a is a, a chef of striking. Let me watch him cook. Few things have given me more pleasure in my in my MMA fandom than seeing Jose Aldo fight. So please uh, get, match him up with people his own age who are who are still contenders. Jed, there's a few things people know about you when it comes to the show. You've been on quite a few times since its iteration. We know how you feel about Stipe Miocic. We know how you feel about Brian Sucks. Ortega. Sucks. And we know how you feel about Jose Aldo and what he has done in his career. And greatest. you're going to get the chance to reiterate <laughs> that in a moment more vividly. But what is the fight to make for him now after this performance? And you know what? Let me add this just to make things a little bit differently. With the rematch between Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan, your favorite rematch of all time, being now official for October 30th, is Jose Aldo now the biggest Aljamain Sterling fan on the planet? Look, I want to answer your question, Mike. I really do. <laughs> but I can't because I will not let this slander go unpunished. This is absolute horseshit. I don't know what this <laughs> is talking about. Jose Aldo is the greatest. He doesn't need a Legends tour. He needs to get a title shot because jo the Jose Aldo from the other night, he would whip the shit out of Aljamain Sterling. I don't need any of this. He needs to fight old guys and Dominic Cruz. You know what? I'll be the MMA voice here. I'll be the fans for UAK because Jose Aldo would whip the shit out of Dominic Cruz. The only reason I need to see that fight is because it's always enjoyable to watch Dominic Cruz do humble pie. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. And because it's a guaranteed win from a boy, and I don't want Jose Aldo to maybe lose to somebody because, yes, he can lose to other top bantamweights. But, you know, if the, the balance of Jose Aldo is he can't beat Peter Yan, who might be the best bantamweight in the world. He's not. Aljo technically is. But maybe Peter Yan is that dude. Also, it's just a bad style matchup for him. And Aldo was whipping Yan's ass for three rounds. And then <laughs> the way Yan works, it's not about going to the fifth round, which both of these gentlemen seem to think is the problem for Aldo. It's not. It's about an escalating amount of violence on the other end of things. Max Holloway didn't beat Jose Aldo because they were in a five-round fight. Technically, he did that first one because Aldo probably wins the first one on the judges' card, even though things had started to turn. He beat him because Max, Max Holloway is a snowball rolling downhill. And it's not that he is still as good in the fourth round as he is in the first. It's that he is better. He is increasing his volume. Piotr Jan is exactly the same way. Those are very difficult style matchups for a guy who drops off a little bit. But if there was a fourth round the other Saturday, all that would have happened is Pedro Munoz would have gotten the shit kicked out of him for another 10 minutes. It's not that Aldo can't do this. So I can't abide the things that <laughs> have been said about my boy. He would, I, I am super serious. I think he beat the shit out of Aljamain Sterling right now. Aljo does not build on himself well. He really needs to be able to force grappling exchanges. We've seen how that has worked for literally anyone who's tried to wrestle Aldo, except for Volkanovski, who is much larger than Jose Aldo. Like, I think he beat the hell out of Sterling. I think there are, like I said, there's some Bantamweights who beat him. Uh, I think Corey Sandhagen is a very tough matchup for him, but in over five rounds, that might be too much for him to, to beat because Sandhagen will build on that offense. He won't just stay the same. But I think he's competitive against absolutely anybody in the division. And he needs to be fighting a fight that puts him in a title shot. Like, he does not need to say, I am the biggest. Uh, to get back to you, Mike, he is not the biggest Aljamain Sterling fan. He doesn't have to be. He is because if Sterling wins, 
that tees him up to not have to even take another fight. Sterling gets to basically choose, would I rather face Aldo on a hero? You know, here's the legend of the game who's maybe more winnable. Or do I want to face Dillashaw, who's also a legend, but there's a whole lot of baggage there. So in that respect, he is. But he doesn't need that. Like, if Jan wins, Aldo just needs another win to get a title fight. It doesn't matter as long as it's against a top competitive, you know, guy. Because Jan... Yeah, Jan beat him, but that was a very competitive fight for a lot of it, and that was also still when Aldo was pretty fresh in this division. I think you can make a compelling case that Aldo has improved. He's still getting better. He's still getting more acclimated to the weight cut to fighting at 135, and I'd watch the hell out of a rematch there. So, yeah, it's better for him if Sterling wins. I don't think it it is determinative at all. It's just who Aldo fights next gets him a title fight if he wins. Wow. So that is Jose Aldo. We could continue this on for a while, but in the sake of time. Yes. But now (laughs) let's see if any of that, you know, you you talked about how offense continues to build throughout a snowball. Let's see if that snowball gets bigger, Jed, because we're going to talk about Vicente Luque now because he goes out and submits Michael Chiesa in the first round. He hands Chiesa his first loss at 170 pounds. And this man has quietly put together an absolutely incredible resume throughout his UFC career. But now it took this performance in everybody's eyes, Jed Mishu, including Dana White. He is under the radar no more. So, Jed, keep those matchmaking shoes on. Let's get that snowball rolling down the hill super quick. The welterweight division, obviously in a very interesting spot right now. We got Usman versus Covington, that rematch, expected to take place in November. What do we do with Vicente Luque now? What would you advise him to do since there's not a ton of options for him, for what he actually deserves right now. I advise him to explicitly and exclusively talk shit about Kamaru Usman for the next six months. (laughs) That is the only only thing that he should ever be saying. If a mic's in front of him, it needs to be calling out Usman. Because for two main reasons. One, if Usman wins in in this supposed upcoming rematch, Luke, I think, is clearly the frontrunner to get that title fight. No one cares about Leon Edwards. If there's another thing people know about me, it's that I don't (laughs) care about Leon Edwards, and I am not ashamed to tell other people that they don't need to care about him either. No one does, and so Luke is the frontrunner for that next title shot at Usman. Honestly, one of the most frustrating things about the Colby Covington title, title shot, aside from the fact that it's very obviously not earned in any respect, is that this fight was on the horizon. They like were booking that fight despite that they had Leon Edwards, uh, um, the Gilbert Burns Wonderboy thing. Like they had a lot of other fights right there and the UFC was like, all right, we're gonna give it to Colby. Just no one cares. No one's clamoring for Colby coming to get a title shot and he doesn't deserve it anyway. They should have just waited anyway. And if they had waited and not been like, yep, Usman's defending against this guy, 100% Luke would be the dude with the title fight for later this fall. Like, there's no chance they'd be like, let's give Colby, who got a stoppage over Tyrone Woodley like two years ago and hasn't really fought, let's give him over this dude, who's the most exciting welterweight in the world, and just blowing the doors off people? They're not going to do that at all. Luke deserves a title fight and... He just needs to sit and keep calling for it. He'll get it next, and he might even get it a lot sooner than later because let's be honest, if there's one man, there's one man in the entire world who can talk himself out of a title shot, it's Colby Covington. (laughs) He's done it time and again. This man knows the only thing he knows better than, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get 
I don't want to get fired. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that he knows better than, let's say, red hats and awful statements is how to shoot himself in the own foot. So, Colby Covington might well find himself not with a title shot in a couple of months because he really, really is good at screwing things up for himself. And if that's the case, Luke, he's in there. Like, if somebody gets hurt, he's in there. Luke just needs to sit tight. He's got the next title fight. He just needs to hold on and make people want to see him in there by talking that shit, baby. Talk your shit, Luke. AK, do you agree with this? Should he just keep calling out Usman and, and wait for the title opportunity to fall in his lap here? No, because I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I just don't think the UFC views him in that way, that that, that 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 they're willing to lock him into a teleshot. Clearly, he's on the short list, and, and we've seen stranger things happen. Um, again, Jen makes a good point that, look, if, if people fall out, uh, Luke is the kind of guy who they know they can call on two weeks notice, five days notice. He'll probably be ready. He's not going to, you know, uh, finagle too much over uh, a pay, very likely. Um, he's, as, as far as we know, as far as we've seen, very much a company man. Um, so, yeah, as a fan of his, I would hope that that was a realistic uh, option for him and one that him and his team are considering. Like, let's just look, we've done enough. Let's let's get this title shot. Um, but I, I, I think and he and what, what uh, Luke has actually said is, look, he wants those kind of fights with like a Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal. And, and that idea I support so much. Yes, it's risky. But again, because if a title shot were, well, like I said, were guaranteed, I'd say, obviously, don't do it. But th- we, we need to make a star of this guy. Luke is so exciting. I think it was 13 out of 14 uh, of his wins, UFC wins, or finishes now, or 12, 12 out of 13. It's insane. It's insane. For someone in the welterweight division, one of the toughest divisions, to have that kind of finishing rate is wild. But at this point, that's really all we have to market him on is his exciting fights and his finishes. And we've seen other fighters, you know, never quite make it uh, to that next level of, of fame just based on the results. It sucks. That's the way the sport is. But when you so when you're a guy like him who's kind of modest and kind of soft spoken, if they can't sell themselves, then you got to give them rivals, right? I, I I don't know why we're bringing up GSP again, but I I guess he's just relevant to to he's always relevant. He needed like the Josh Koscheck's, uh, uh, a Matt Sarah. You know, he needed guys to kind of be the, be the, uh, a Nick, D, Nick Diaz, of course. He needed guys to be that other side to talk for him. Um, uh, uh, kind of we said he's one of the breakout fighters this year. His rivalry with, with Masvidal is what took him up there. I, I don't know if he keeps reaching that next level of fame without a guy like Masvidal dogging him publicly for so long and then him taking Masvidal. And Masvidal needed Ben Askren. So people, these guys need rivals. I don't know if Luke, he just hasn't had that opponent yet or that big win. But I think a Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal, man, I, I mean, it might be respectful because I think uh, I would imagine both guys would kind of like Luque. <laughs> he's, he's kind of up their alley. But at the same time, just them being involved, if he if he beats them or even went to a, 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 a five-round, uh, I assume they made it a five-round fight for whatever reason, a five-round, like, exciting fight, that would elevate him. So so I'm I'm not focused on the title shot for Luque, I, but I do want to see him become more famous he deserves to be more well known and uh and he needs an opponent i think more like a diaz or masvidal more than trying to wait for a title fight that might not come anytime soon spencer looking at this division looking at what luke has been doing as of late and that you know ak just sort of laid out you know finishing all of his wins except for one and that one was an absolute bloodbath with mike perry one of the craziest fights i've ever seen but what's the right move 
for Luke. What side of the fence are you on right now? Are you on just wait for a title shot? Or are you on find another fight, find the right fight? I don't think he's a he's a wait for a title fight kind of guy. Like, regardless of whether it's the right decision or not for him, that's not who he is as a competitor. And so it's not in his nature to just kind of sit back and, and take six, eight months off in hopes that this comes together to then maybe down the road still have to take a fight. So I think he'll very much be out here trying to get something in the next kind of four or five months, if not sooner, maybe try to line up with that potential title fight between Usman and Covington so that he can be the backup in there. The other thing that kind of sucks for Vicente Luque right now is that he's best friends with Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns is out here doing the work that if Vicente Luque wasn't such a wonderful, humble, quiet, unassuming human being, he should be doing. I know Jed said no one should care about Leon Edwards, but Vicente Luque should care about Leon Edwards and be out here doing what his boy Gilbert Burns is doing and just talking as much junk as possible to get that fight because Leon Edwards has a win over him and Edwards can always just point to it and be like, yeah, you guys think this guy is great? I whooped his ass a while ago. And he lost to Steven Thompson a couple of years ago. Who's he and pointing Ed- to? No one knows who Leon Edwards is. No but one listen, knows. He can go out and say, you don't care about this guy. You want this guy out of the mix. I'm the Leon Edwards killer. Let me in there with him. This is what I do. Because all the things you said, Jed, about Colby Covington are 100% correct. It's ridiculous that he's getting a title shot, even just period. It's ridiculous that he's getting a title shot off a stoppage over Tyron Woodley when other people have subsequently beat Tyron Woodley, that being Vicente Luque, who also then beat Mike Chiesa. And so to me, it's it's a situation where Luque has to kind of go a little bit out of character and call somebody out. And I get the appeal of Nathan Diaz and Jorge Masvidal from a big kind of name standpoint, and it's going to draw more eyes than Leon Edwards. But if everything Luke does sort of reinforces and gives Leon Edwards opportunity to be like, oh, so I beat you once and you don't want to run that back. And now you want to fight the guy I beat for 24 minutes just a couple of months ago because he's a name. It creates even more opportunity for there just to be confusion. And so Luke needs to just come out and say, look, Gilbert, I appreciate what you're trying to do of getting yourself back in the mix by calling out Leon Edwards and going hard on Leon Edwards. But this is the lane I need, please. So get out of my way. Give me Leon Edwards. Give me that rematch. Nobody wants him in this title picture except for maybe me and his family members. I'm going to come out here and finish him because that's just what I do. But unfortunately, he is the silent assassin and he will just sit at home in Brazil quietly working on his craft, sharpening his tools, getting ready to kill whoever the UFC offers him or whoever ends up falling into his lap. And it's going to end up being somebody like Neil Magny. Well, I mean, I, I, I like both <laughs> the sides of this. The reaction on AK's face tells me I'm right. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it's it's interesting because I like where Luke is at right now. I also like where Gilbert Burns is at right now. I like him being sort of the... I'm not comparing him to Caitlin Chukagian, but he's in that role right now where any up-and-coming contender... He can knock him out and just be like, I'm still here. You have to get through me to get to the title. And Luke doesn't really have that option. Who knows if, like, you know, maybe down the road, business is right, the right amount of money comes their way. Maybe those two guys fight each other. 
That'd I was be awesome. Say, I, I would love an absolute, AK's wearing a pro wrestling tee. I would love an absolute heel turn of just, you know, Gilbert oh, Burns no. put out, Gilbert Burns put out the, we're brothers, he's my family, this isn't just friends, all like that. I would love a Vicente Luque steel chair shot to the back, <laughs> break up the crew, come and stomp on Gilbert Burns, but it's not going to happen. They are, they are 100% tight. I know. It's, I mean, listen, Brett and Owen Hart were tight too, but we got some of the best, the best (laughs) stuff ever in the pro wrestling world from those two guys. So we got some spice. We pulled whatever spice was left in UFC 265 out. We talked about guys who won interim titles. We've talked about guys who currently hold UFC titles, guys who have UFC championship aspirations. And now we move ahead to two gentlemen who have been UFC champions in the past, and they are set to square off in a fight, ladies and gentlemen but not inside the octagon, not even in the sport of mixed martial arts, but they're going to do it in the boxing ring. Triller Fight Club, the only promotion on planet Earth that could make this happen, has made it happen. September 11th, Los Angeles, California, Staples Center, headlined by Oscar De La Hoya versus Vitor Belfort. MMA fighting first reported on Wednesday that Anderson Silva, the former longtime UFC middleweight champion of the world, will take on Tito Ortiz, the former UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, in a boxing match, 195 pounds on that same card. Wow. Spencer Kite, this was not a my bingo card at all in 2021. It should have been, but it wasn't. How do you react to this news? Um, fart noises. That's, that's how I react to this news. This is like, this was a just keep scrolling as I saw it pop up on Twitter because it means absolutely zero to me. It, uh, it's, it's, as you said, not something I was thinking about probably should have been because this is exactly the tire fire we're steering into this year and, and going forward with the trailer fight club shows and these crossover let's put whoever we can in a boxing fight to draw some eyeballs. But this is like, I know people got excited about Anderson Silva going out and beating Julio Cesar Chavez jr. Um, and thinking this is this Anderson now has the second career and he can move into boxing and he's beaten a real boxer. Mike Coppinger from ESPN, formerly of the athletic came out yesterday and was like, look, Cesar Chavez, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. isn't a is like a B level professional fighter on his best day, and those best days are a long time ago. So let's not overreact to the Anderson Silva thing. And then his opponent is Tito Ortiz, who needs to make what'd you say one ninety five? Like when's the last time Tito made one ninety five? So let's like what and also when's the last time you actually really cared? about anything Tito Ortiz was doing for anything other than a pure, like, look at this ass clown reason. For me, it's it's just keep scrolling. You guys will cover it. Jed's been to a Triller fight show. I know he had a great time. I'm sure this will be a, a wonderful event in terms of the chaos of it all. But I just, I can't be bothered. I do not care even a little bit. Okay. All right. UFC.com will not will not be checking in with Anderson Silva ahead of his uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Good to know. Okay, I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll give it to Jed because I have a feeling that snowball is gonna is gonna turn into multiple snowballs. But mm. we saw Anderson Silva get his Snowy mojo balls, back. Mike. Hold, hold on, it. Hold on, Jed. Hold on. We'll get to you. But AK, we saw Anderson Silva 
get that mojo back in the boxing ring. You can say, Mike Coventer can say whatever he wants about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but there aren't a lot of people who thought Anderson Silva not only could win that fight, but would even be competitive in that fight. But Anderson Silva went out there. He had the swagger, the smile. He's dancing around in there. He just looked so happy in there. Like, I haven't seen Anderson Silva that happy in years, many, many years. And we thought coming out of it, big fights, big opportunities were in his future. And he gets Tito Ortiz. And yes, AK, this is a fight he is heavily favored to win. And probably as we get closer to September 11th, is going to be even more heavily favored to win. I'm sure he'll make some good money. But outside of that, AK, do you find a lot of positives in this? Of course I do. Of course. How can I, how can I not? Uh, Mike, I don't think... I was as happy watching Anderson Silva fight like in in a long time as as I was when he was in there boxing up uh, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So that 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 joy that joy that he felt that was emanating from him uh, in that fight that was felt I think by all of us by almost all combat sports fans uh, who decided to to take a risk and 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 check that fight out. It could it could have gone horribly wrong in many ways. It didn't. We got like the best outcome we possibly could have as if if you're an Anderson Silva fan. Now, would any of us, pardon me, would any of us have wanted to lead into something like this, a fight with a, a fellow MMA uh, legend in the boxing ring? I, I, I don't know. I, I think I had called for something with like Fedor. I think I thought that would have been a lot of fun. Um, but obviously, we now know Fedor has his uh, his own actual fight coming up in Moscow. Tim Johnson. I would have loved that. Uh, I probably would have gone pretty far down the line before hitting Tito if like we were going to stay in the MMA vein. But but. I mean, when you think about it, it just makes it makes it makes a lot of sense, particularly based on Triller's M.O. All right. Look, Triller, Triller is here for controversy. All right. We're talking about it. A lot of people were talking about it when it when it, uh, you know, when it was announced or reported, I should say. And uh, yes, there's certain people like Spencer who just are like they, they're thought about it for a second. And we're like, that's that second is all I'm giving. It. And that's fine. That's fine. You're, you're going to have that with any of these. A lot of these fights. So Triller puts on. the whole Jake Paul experience is 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 divided into two camps of people who are like, yes, I'm all in. I think this is interesting and, and compelling and I'm going to check it out. And people are just like. I don't want to read about this. I don't want to see this on legitimate combat sports sites. So they're going to polarize. This isn't on that level, but uh, picking guy like Tito, I think they knew that that's that's what's going to happen. And they gambled there would be enough people on the pro side to make this worth their while. And and I think and I think there will be. I think it is. Um, admittedly, look, <laughs> Spencer, I'm like him. I'm not a fan of Ortiz. I'll go out and say it. I'm a, I'm a bleeding heart like liberal, you know. So me and Tito Ortiz's politics are definitely not lining up. I'm not a fan of that that aspect of his life, how he carries himself uh, in that regard, as he did when he was working for the uh, Huntington Beach City Council. I thought it was just the whole thing was just a grotesque circus. Um, so yes, I will get some joy out of seeing Anderson Silva beat him in a fight. Um, that's just one where he'll very likely be able to dominate, be able to style on him. Yeah, when the weigh-ins come in, I have a feeling it won't be 195. That's probably the plan now. It'll probably be closer to 205, or Ortiz will just come in heavy, um, and and we'll just gonna the fight will proceed with the you know as a catch weight. They'll, they'll figure something out. I just I'm with you. I don't think 195 is is in the cards for Tito. Um, I'll be very impressed if he makes it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a good versus evil narrative, which is I would like to think how the majority of people who are interested in this particular fight would view it it's a great way to sell it's sold for decades um and and what you know i don't understand the call for like oh andrew silva needs to fight more legitimate boxers i'm like at this stage of his career is that really like an option for him uh, someday but for now don't we just want to see him again having fun like he did against julio cesar chavez jr don't we want more of that and i think this fight does give us more than that 
uh, more of that, excuse me. I'm dreading some of the trash talk leading up to it that's going to come from the Tito side. But otherwise, uh, otherwise the fight itself, I think is, I have no, I was going to say I have no problem with it. I think I'm endorsing it. I think I'm going that far. I think I'm telling people they should, if they have Anderson Silver fans, that they should watch this fight. Chad Mishu, <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued and excited to hear what you have to say. and Because I, 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 I can't wait for this. I have no idea how you're going to react to this. I know with you in these types of fights, there's no middle ground. You're either going to think this is super fun or this is just the worst thing ever. So which side of the fence are you on with this fight? with me on anything, though, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of extremes, and I can't believe what I just heard Okay, say. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't understand any of the things going on right now. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be <laughs> the best. I sincerely hope the site flies me to L.A. for this in September because I had such a good time at Triller 1 or whatever we want to call that barnyard explosion, that I am enthused about this second one. And they're doing everything right. Ricky touched on it, like the good versus evil narrative. That's exactly what this is supposed to be. I don't know how. The thing he said that really blew my mind is I don't know how he's so, like, not looking forward to the Tito Ortiz trash talk. I couldn't be more looking. (laughs) Tito is the worst talker the sport has ever seen. It's going to be incredible to watch him step over himself while trying to make PED allegations. Like, it's just going to be awesome. And Anderson's going to, like, Anderson is also one of those really interesting things where he clearly understands and speaks English very well, but sometimes he'll just kind of, like, pretend he doesn't. It's going to be great. I'm (laughs) super excited about every aspect about this. And... Something neither of you mentioned. Everybody kind of touched on, well, Tito's going to be a big underdog. Look, the thing that's the most interesting for me is we've watched Anderson Silva be one of the greatest strikers of all time. Look at the target he gets to aim at. <laughs> that big old dome of Tito's, he's going to find new ways to hit a man in the oh face. My. That can only happen because Tito's head is so enormous and he's so accurate. How is anyone anything other than excited <laughs> and thrilled about this like this is just the best <laughs> yet for anderson to walk away beating jcc jr because like that's that's the best win he's ever going to have again like he's never going to get a win that means more that means more to people uh and historically like that's the top of this particular career you know part for him but he wants to keep fighting this is an exactly perfect fight it's very low risk. We get to watch him beat up a dude that everybody hates. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. And we just get to watch that big old dome get beat off on. It's going to be the best. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to watch the Borginia Depot Twitter account over the next month. It's going to be a lot <laughs> of fun. It's going to be amazing. Listen, Jed, Jed, I think we're on this. I, 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 maybe we're not. I'm not into all the same aspects that you are. <laughs> But I do think we're on the same side as this. And, and I and look, this is the point. I feel like in every triple threat, where two of the guys kind of turn on <laughs> uh, turn on someone. So Spencer, I'm, I mean, we haven't turned fully, but I think we definitely might have done a little. I might have Irish whipped him into you. I think he gave him a little that shoulder block. Uh, so we haven't like broken out a spike pile driver on Spencer yet. But I do think you and I are definitely we're kind of like give each other that nod, like you know, let's take care of this guy first, and then we'll deal with each other after. 
you know. I don't know so. about that. I feel like Spencer's more into watching Tito stumble all over his way trying to trash talk than you are. That's oh, like but, half the fun. The trash talk is going to be wonderfully terrible, and that part's yeah. going to oh. be because exactly what Jed said. Anderson's going to be up there doing the pretend I know speak English bit, which is just <laughs> oh. like I mean, and look, it it's is one of my favorite things in the world to see Anderson so like you see so many of these athletes that clearly understand English and know exactly what is being asked of them and then do the like I'll give you a, a cheap little answer just because I'm not one and it's going to be great and Anderson's going to just mm-hmm. laugh and he's going to clown him I just can't get like hyped up and excited to spend a Friday or Saturday night watching these two 46 year olds well past their prime where there's no stakes, there's no anything other than, as Jed said, watching Tito Ortiz's giant watermelon of a head get exploded by Anderson Silva. It's just not the same to me as stuff that matters. I'm gonna be watching. I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't know if excited is the word I'm gonna go with, but I mean, I, I'm not missing it. I can tell you that right now. I'm not taking it too seriously. It should be a nice showcase for Anderson. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Tito and. You know, his watermelon head can can shock the world. I'm sure he's going to release some unbelievable quotes for us to discuss, but uh, that's going down in around a month, Jed. All I'm saying is I was very on the fence about watching this, like when it was just the Oscar Vitor thing. Like that fight has limited to no interest to me outside of a real (laughs) sicko-like version of interest. Uh, But now that this is there, I'm all in. I'm here with bells on, baby. Yeah. No, I agree. This is like five times more compelling than the than the main event. Yeah. What a world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. As we head to our final topic, it's a big one for Jed and AK, a last chance to impress me before taking on Spencer in the knockout round. Let's talk some MMA this weekend. Bellator is back with Bellator 264. The middleweight title is on the line. Gegard Mousasi will defend against John Salter. PFL will begin their playoffs. Welterweight and lightweights will be on the bill. The headliner for that card is Roy McDonald against Ray Cooper III. AK, we're going to begin with you, sir. Which card stands out to you more, and which fight is the one you got circled for this weekend over any other? The Bellator card is definitely stronger. I'm, I'm not going to argue that. There's a lot of good fights in this Bellator card. It's really, really, really flying under the radar, but the main event, I, I can't complain about at all. I think John Salter's a good fighter. Uh, do I give him a, do I give him a chance of beating Musasi? Not much of one, which is why this isn't my pick for the fight of the weekend. I think I think Musasi wins a pretty comfortable decision or uh, or finishes John Salter with strikes. Oh, sorry, more likely finishes John Salter with strikes. Let me put it that way. But I think it's a it's a pretty comfortable win for uh, Musasi. And Salter's a gamer for sure. But I I don't know how on entertainment wise, I'm not sure how entertaining that fight will be. And then you got Koroshkov, Homasi, which. Gosh, if Omasi can draw him into a brawl, oh, that's so much fun. And then uh, Magomedov and uh, Rofion Stotts, which again, uh, and the bantamweights, guys. Bantamweights are great everywhere. And this is just another one of those uh, awesome matchups. And I'm sure that I'm sure there's a bunch of them forgetting. Oh, Pam Sorensen's going to make her uh, her Bellator debut, so that's going to be fun to see. Um, so the stronger card, Bellator, for sure. But man, I am really, really looking forward to this Rory McDonald's uh, Ray Cooper fight. I'm probably one of the only people in the world who like actively keeps up, uh, keeps track of like the PFL standings and how the math works and stuff like that. It wasn't hard this year. There was only two regular season fights, and right after uh, the last the last card at PFL five, 
that Rory McDonald and Ray Cooper fought on, I did the math right away as soon as the night was over, and I'm like, holy crap, we are getting McDonald and Cooper, which I think, if you're PFL officials, is one of the matchups you would have you would have wanted to happen at some point. I mean, ideally in the finals, I guess, but with only four uh, playoff bouts, they, you know, they really beggars can't be choosers. So getting it at any point is great, um, and uh, uh, stylistically, it's great. I think Ray Cooper is. Just such an enjoyable guy to watch. He's kind of got this reputation as a brawler, but he's also like a really good wrestler. Um, so there's a, this contrast with Rory. He's also a good wrestler, but a little more technical with the striking. And I, I just like how the PFL format works. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. So I, I do like that there's just so much inherently on the line. And I would I would implore people who have not watched PFL at all this year to give this card a shot. Uh, or at least at least the, at least the main event. It is uh, it'll be on ESPN two. I think the main card. And just really, there's, there's an inherent tension to it. Try to ignore all the on-screen graphics. There's like a million graphics on screen if you've never watched the PFL before. But if you do want to know how fast someone's punching or how much PSI they're putting on a headlock, uh, then you are you'll, you will be very, very, very pleased. I'm sure you've, some people have always wondered that. But that is my fight of the, uh, of the weekend. Um, uh, the co-main is really good too. Megamed Karamov, Sadwusi, and Clay Collard and Menfio could be a effing scrap. But as far as like most compelling, man, I am really, really looking forward to Cooper and McDowell, and I, and I have been since uh, since the uh, playoffs were decided. Jed, what say you? I just want to say I just want to take a sort of tangent real fast, and then I'll get on topic. Uh, my big thing, I think PFL would be a lot better if instead of doing you know like how fast things are going or a PSI, <laughs> they just need to convert all those metrics to like something that people can understand. Yeah, so yeah. When you say it's like. Ah, that's eighty-seven psi or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I honestly have no concept. Right. Like it'd be a lot cooler. Like that's like sixteen alligator bites. Or yes. <laughs> so in the same way we measure horsepower, we should just come up with really weird and narrow and specific things, and then be like, yeah, he punched him with the the force of three Toyota Camrys. Like, <laughs> yeah, get, get a spot. Get a sponsorship in there. There you go. Yeah. yeah. This is, yeah, this is the Toyota Camry punch index. Got it. Like, it was uh, on topic, though, uh, I think AK actually outlined pretty clearly uh, and Bellator is better than the PFL card this weekend. Honestly, this is, for my money, one of PFL's weaker efforts. Uh, I know that we're deeper into the playoff run, so it's, that's a little counterintuitive, but lacks for name value certainly and i'm just not a huge fan of many of the fights going on i will very quickly uh oh are we gonna do a low-key banger mike do i need to save this or fire fire it off man oh low-key banger is on pfl this week though uh basically if you are looking at a fight card of a bunch of people you don't know and trying to figure out who might be important to to look at uh anybody who has an av their last name ends in Av. Just go with that. And PFL Magomed Umladov is uh, taking on Leandro Silva. Leandro Silva is really fun. Like he's done a lot of pro boxing recently, um, but he is going to lose. And Magomed Umladov is actually like a really good prospect. And so for me, that's like of all the kind of low, low value or low, low. Uh, I don't know, low name brand stuff that we're looking at this weekend. That's the one that I'd. I'd target and say, check this out, because it probably will be one-sided, but one of those dudes really matters. And on the same note, uh, the Bellator card's right. Uh, It is the best one. I I don't know how much I want to care about John Salter. It somewhat distresses me that he is a relevant middleweight uh, in the world today, but there it is. 
Uh, and Musasi is an all-time great, so at least you're getting to watch that. Uh, the co-main event, it's a very Bellator fight between Koreshkov and Hamasi. Um, probably be an okay fight, but uh, the next one down is is kind of where I'm interested in. I will give a shout-out. Everett Cummings is, a, is an undefeated heavyweight. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to call him a prospect because he ain't a prospect, but he is a 15-0 heavyweight, and that's the thing that doesn't come around all that often. Uh, but Magomed Magomedov, Rufian Stotts, uh, that's actually probably the best fight of the weekend. Magomed Magomedov uh, has a win over Piotr Jan. He also has a loss over Piotr Jan that came afterwards. But uh, 18 and one, like this guy is an absolute dynamite bantamweight prospect. And same for Rufian Stotts. Uh, it's that's the, I think for my money that's the best fight this weekend. Yeah, the heavyweight fight's interesting. Uh, I spoke with Davion Franklin the other day. What a what a joy. The way he looks at the sport, and it's just wild. So you'll see that interview pretty shortly as he gets ready to take on the 15-0 and 0, uh, Everett Cummings. But, Spencer, we're going to we're gonna save you for the interest of time for the knockout because you've already done your part. Uh, but in terms of these cards, we will have you covered uh, for both of them over at MMA Fighting on Friday night. So you don't have to make a decision on whether to watch one or the other or maybe – you know, you could watch one or you could watch both. Why not? But no UFC this weekend, as AK said earlier. Rare weekend off on the road to UFC 266 coming up in about a month and a half, September 25th. But now, a Spencer, big decision. Spencer on the side while Jed and I are just trading haymakers. At this. That's right. Oh, my goodness. That's right. He just gets to sit on the throne and, and watch yeah. you guys duke it out in this final round. But me tire myself out just, just <laughs> punching down at you. That's right. <laughs> but now there's a big decision to be made on this show. Who is going to go on to face Spencer Kite in the knockout round? Will it be Alexander K. Lee or will it be Jed Mishu? Remember, pride rules are in effect. The bout is judged on the totality of the four rounds. And I hate my life right now. This is a tough one. Don't say that. Don't say that, my best friend. I have backed that. myself into a corner. I have to make a decision. I hate this part of the show. And after four rounds, we go to the score. We go to the scorecards. The winner, and moving on to the final question to crown the winner of the very first triple threat match in BTL history is... Jed Mishu. Jed Mishu. Mike, Mike, I have a question. Uh, So wait, we're crowning the winner via fan vote, is that correct? No, that was last week's show. Okay, so you're just picking a winner? I just picked... No, I mean no, 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 no! Don't, 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 don't you worry about that. Oh. I got that covered. Oh. I got that covered, oh, okay. and you, it will all be revealed in a matter of moments. But uh, oh, okay. Before we move on to that, a, a great yeah. showing from my best yeah. friend. Super listen. close battle, but Jed's gonna move on. AK, I'm sorry, my friend. This no, is no, this listen, a hell of a job, Mike. This is normally where I question the whole system, and uh, <laughs> throw out, hurl out all kinds of insults at anyone with an earshot. But I, I really feel like uh, Jed was the better man today. I hate to say it. I hate to admit it, but that is the case. Uh, this should not, by the way, go on my record. This is a triple threat. This is outside of the single. T- tell Casey, producer Casey, when it's time to tally my record, this does not count. Um, and uh, I, listen, I need to get better. I was not I was not my sharpest today. Mike, I appreciate your comments. I was not my sharpest today. I will get better. That's the only, that's the only way to improve, chill, kids. I know there's a lot of, I know we have a lot of young listeners out there. You've got to accept your... I hope we <laughs> don't. <laughs> this is for the children. You got to accept... <laughs> Your shortcomings and your mistakes is <laughs> the only way to get better, uh, and that is that is that is the uh, the lesson of the day. 
All right. Thank you, AK. We appreciate your time. And uh, I'm going to stick around job. and watch. You got to stick around and watch. All right. Okay. So now it is time for the knock around. And for those who are new to the program, one question will decide it all. Neither of these gentlemen know what that question is, and they will each have one minute to give their response. Once that is done, we're going to turn it on over to a very special guest judge who is going to join us in a matter of moments. Casey Lydon is not here. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. I don't want to have to make this decision. So I have called upon somebody who has guaranteed to call this thing right down the middle. The request has been sent. He will join us momentarily. So until, like so until he, like, <laughs> so I, I do not like this. Until he comes on, uh, just to sort of update you on what's going on with with, with the podcast network and everything going on. Uh, as you may have seen, what the heck, no longer happening on Tuesdays. This show will now take place on Tuesdays. Thursday, we have something big planned. We cannot reveal that information yet. Next week, we have something special planned for Thursday, uh, something that I've been working my ass off on for several weeks. Um, it'll be a write-up and also a little mini-doc podcast that I put together. It's just wild. The whole story is insane. Uh, so that will drop next Thursday. Wednesday, more information on that. Uh, it's kind of a wheel spin. I guess that's the best way to describe it. We're calling it Wild Card Wednesday, so be prepared for that. And then the pre- and post-fight show coverage, uh, that will all continue on. So this is all very exciting stuff as we await uh, our very special guest to join us, who will be the ruler and make the final decision. I believe he is in the waiting room right now. And there he is! Whoa! There he is! Ladies and gentlemen, the man who will bring the biggest show in MMA history back to your life this Monday, August 16th, live on MMA Fighting, the return of the MMA Hour, Mondays and Wednesdays, beginning in just a few days. Let us say hello to the one, the only, Ariel Hawani. Ariel, thank you, sir. Welcome. The day we have been waiting for is, is nearly upon us, my man. How are we doing? Oh, this is great. This is so exciting to be here on this program. I've been waiting, what? a year change to be finally invited and i guess i had to join the squad to be actually invited and to be invited in this final uh round i do believe unless things have changed and you didn't tell me to be a judge is uh is quite the honor so it's great to be here spencer good to see you actually in person i feel like it's been a while i have seen uh ak lee quite a bit on my screen Jed, are we rocking a ponytail there? What is going on? Are you the it heartbreak kid? Wow, that is something and, else. And the MMA fighting shirt, too. Just I like that. Squad. I like that. Get a few brownie points. That shirt was made famous, by the way, by the great Habib Nurmagomedov, who for a stretch a couple of years ago seemed to wear it in every single photo op, bizarrely enough. Um, in any event, I don't want to hijack things, but I appreciate the invitation, Mike. It's great to be here. You do a fantastic job as a host moderator here, and uh, yeah, it's it's great to be officially a part of the squad again. All right, and uh, by the way, I have invited Ariel to be on the show so many times, almost to the point not. of annoyance. <laughs> uh, don't make me pull up screenshots because I get so many, but you're a very busy man. I get that, but uh, one thing I will say, just to keep in mind with the judging, Ariel, this is something Casey Lydon needs to learn from when he does this from time to time. You're not judging on whether or not you agree with the person making the statement. Yes. It's who presents their case better, so you'll be judging on that. You'll be the Earl Hebner of the proceedings, if that sounds okay with you. I prefer Dave Hebner, okay. if I'm being honest, uh, the evil referee. I don't know if everyone understands that reference, but uh, that's usually my style. Not surprised to hear that uh, 
Casey employs a more biased and uh, corrupt style of judging. Not surprised whatsoever. Typical EKC. But no, I'm going to call it down the middle here. Completely unbiased. No strings attached. No, no, no favorites. So the floor is yours. All right. So, Spencer, you are, of course, the man who has the most recent victory on the show. Three of them, as a matter of fact. You have the champion's prerogative. Do you want to go first or do you want to pass it on to Jed? Well, first, I want to say hello to my countryman, uh, the returning Ariel Hawani, who, in addition to rejoining the great MMA fighting ranks, launched his Substack officially today. Go out and subscribe to it, as I have. Good to see you. We've spoken a couple of times, but it is nice to see you with your glorious backdrop. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully the screensaver doesn't kick in while we yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and as I learned the first of three times that I whooped Alex Kaylee's backside. When you have the champion's prerogative, you let the challenger go first and stumble all over themselves. So Jed, I turn it over to you and your spicy hot takes. Oh, and we have uh, quite, quite the question here. So Jed, you are up, no surprise here. We're gonna do a little role playing right now. Uh, you, sir are going to be the person in charge of public public relations, excuse me, for Conor McGregor. He has been on a tweet and delete rampage as of late. He's been sort of all over the place. He was all over the place leading up to the fight with Dustin Poirier. It's been getting worse since the loss of Dustin Poirier. He's targeting everybody from Dustin Poirier, his wife, to Habib and his family, to even Daniel Cormier. It's gotten a little crazy. So, Jed, Conor McGregor is sitting right in front of you. You have a scheduled meeting about his behavior, and you only have one minute to speak to the man. What are you going to say to him? One minute on the clock. Let me track it on my phone. We don't have Casey's bells and whistles. Your time starts now. Conor, man. Conor, can you just, can you give me the Twitter password? Just, just to me? You can't. Okay. All right. I'll say this, Conor. You have stopped punching old people in the head, and that that's a win, unequivocally. It is better for you to be talking shit about Daniel Cormier, who would both kill you and will never fight you, than it is to punch old people in the head on camera. But I feel like there's, there's a middle ground here where you can just not say horrible things about another man's wife and family. So can we dial that back? Because the rest of it, I'm okay. I'm okay with the Daniel Cormier beat. It keeps your name out there. It looks a little desperate, but you are a little desperate. So it's fine to, to let that be. But let's if, if this is what has to happen, I guess I can live with the man. That's my job. My job is to clean up your message. 10 seconds. Just so long as you stop literally getting arrested, because that is a much harder thing for us to fix. You getting arrested, assaulting people, stealing phones. So... I wish it was better, but we'll survive. All right. Jed Mishu in the books. We turn it on over to Spencer Kite. Same question, Spencer. You are Connor's PR rep. You have one minute to get your point across. How are you going to handle this? What are you going to say to Connor McGregor in this very short period of time that you have? Your one minute starts now. Connor, listen. I agree with everything you're saying. I think you're the greatest ever. I don't think you've ever lost a fight. I think you are the absolute business. You should be able to say whatever you wanna say and no one should censor you. But we gotta censor you a little bit. We gotta get you to dial it back. And while I got him nodding and smiling and agreeing with everything I say, I'm creating a diversion to swap out his phone because this man should not be on Twitter. 
saying the things that he's saying. So we're going to run a little scam. We're going to have a little schmoz, if you will, like the end of a wrestling match where Connor's actual phone gets lost in the shuffle and replaced with a little kitty phone that it looks like he's still posting whatever he wants on Twitter, but I have the real one and Connor McGregor is going radio silent. So we don't have Ten to seconds. hear the nonsense and have the tweet and delete fest that we've been having. So that's how you play this. All right, so with just a few seconds to spare, we've heard both sides of this. We've heard from Jed Mishu. We've heard from PR representative Spencer Kite. And now we turn it on over to the man who will be representing the airwaves starting Monday on the MMA Hour back on MMAfighting.com. Very excited for this 1 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. Uh, the lineup, from what I understand, is going to be tremendous. So wait for news on that. But, Ariel, we turn it over. It's always tremendous, Mike. The lineup's always tremendous. <laughs> the time is already over, Jed. You cannot butter him up <laughs> any longer at this point. But, uh, Ariel, it is now yours. The floor is yours. Who is the winner of the first ever BTL triple threat matchup. Oh my God. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm sad about the fact that I won't be hearing from AK Lee, who apparently didn't make it to the end of the uh, of the of the match here. So I'm sorry about that, AK. I was pulling for you, my man. I was pulling for you. Um, Brownie points to Spencer Kite for using the word schmoz. I like the word schmoz, a great word. Um, and I understood, you know, at the end of the day, you're both coming at this, I think, from the same perspective of, like, we need to dial it back a little bit. I mean, yes, I said at the beginning of all of this that I am unbiased, but I will admit that when it comes to my old pal DC, I am a little biased, right? I mean, he's the ultimate baby face in this sport. And so, uh, you know, to make fun of his attire or his physique is, uh, is something that, uh, you know, strikes a nerve. Um, that being said... I do believe that the best way to tackle this one is with a realistic approach. And I do believe that while, while um, I liked the scenario presented by Spencer, I felt as though Jed's approach was more realistic. Conor McGregor is a very smart guy, um, regardless of how you may feel about his tweets or his trash talk or whatever. Uh, he is not going to fall for a dummy phone. What kind of, uh, what kind of an answer is that? I mean, the guy will realize this within a second and then guess what, guess what he's going to do then? Then he's going to fire you and the rest of the team for even trying to pull a fast one on him. So, uh, I'm sorry, Spencer. Uh, it was a very unrealistic. Can't, can't <laughs> uh, believe playing to your pro wrestling. <laughs> it was unrealistic. Playing to your talking pro You're talking about giving him a dummy there. phone like I would give my five-year-old daughter. Exactly. I, and you started it off the right way, but it, it's, it's, it's just not going to end up well for you and the rest of the team. And so that being said, I declare Jed K. Mishu the pride of Georgia. The winner of this round. Wow. Well, that time, Spencer. You've been spending weeks just playing towards Casey's just <laughs> obvious, obvious bias and nonsense. We finally, I've been saying for, for years now, we need a judge who's going to call it right down the middle. We got one and look let's, what happens. Let's be clear here. I knew there was very little chance 
that the lone guy without actual MMA fighting ties That's BS. Is walking out that of is such BS. How dare you even insinuate that? First of all, I hate Jed Mishu. I <laughs> So for you to even insinuate, I just met Mike Heck. AK is from Canada. I probably would have given it to him because we're fucked up. But guess what? You're from Canada too. You don't think I wanted to give it to you? Minus 10 points for having a Disney product in back of you, I must say. So you were already behind the eight ball there. Um, but no, I, 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 I called no this down the middle of my for the subscription. Don't shout out the sub stack. Thanks, don't, my hey, man. Don't, hey, don't, don't, Unsubscribe. don't blame others for your, uh, for your choke job there. That was a choke job. You, you offered up a fake phone. I mean, really, you think Connor's going to fall for that nonsense? No, we need to be Connor's practical. Connor's going to listen to somebody tell him that he needs to dial it back. You've spent enough time with this man. Better I've chance. spent time with this man. The minute you say you need to stop this, he thinks you're crazy because he thinks he's the king of the world. That's no, why you don't is. say it. You just say, <laughs> keep not punching old dudes. That's all you need. <laughs> Uh, so the decision has been made, and just like in when WWE was at its highest point, the referee's decision is final. You could file an appeal. We have had appeals filed with the BTL Championship Committee. Jed knows that sometimes, I mean, every time it does not go well. So it does not go well. It does not go well. Jed has tried and failed multiple times on this program. So with that, Jed Mishu, you don't get money. You don't get a belt. You already know this, but... You get a week, or actually five days worth of acknowledgments that you are the man, that you are the winner, and now you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. Go. I'm going to talk about two things. First, I just don't feel like anybody else saw this, and I want this signal boost this to the world. Terrence McKinney, UFC fighter Terrence McKinney, within the past seven days, I don't remember exactly what day, was on Twitter and has never seen the Showtime kick. Somebody posted a clip of it, and he was like, wow, what is that? And <laughs> Anthony was like, I did that. I did that in the WPC. He's like, oh, I never saw that. And it makes me feel really old, and I don't know how to feel about that, but there are fighters in the UFC who didn't know the Showtime kick was a thing. And I just feel like everyone needs to be aware of that. The other thing I'll say is, Ariel, it is great to have you back. Uh, I know that we're mortal enemies. I have a lot of those, though, so it's okay. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to have you have the MMA hour back in my life twice as much as it was before. And, uh, you know, one of these days, if you're not too busy, I'd, I'd love to give you the work on this program. Whoa. Wow. So we're going from judge to a uh, participant. Um, well, I was told a long time ago that you never punched down, Jed. So, it's, <laughs> so uh, you do have a little bit of work to do. But I agree. That's why I'm punching up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, right. me, but that's fair. Uh, I appreciate that. And I, I missed that Terrence McKinney thing. That's absurd. That was only 11 years ago. We're not talking about something that happened 40 years ago. That That's actually shameful. I, I don't even understand how that's a thing. That would be like a current NBA player not knowing who Steve Nash is or that he won two MVPs. Like, that's bizarre. So, yeah. Uh, Terrence McKinney seems like a great, great young man, but that is very surprising and disappointing that he'd never heard. I'd like to think that he was trolling when he said that. No, I mean, like, how is that even possible? Uh, he, he sent a couple messages, like, talking about it. It seemed very odd. Like, maybe it was, and I just missed the troll, but it mm. seemed like he legitimately just didn't know. Weird. Very weird. Spencer, what a run. There have been, I don't know if anyone's won, won four BTL matchups in a row. Uh, so you'd have been, I think Phoenix Carnivale might be the only person to ever do it. And uh, we haven't seen like her. 
You've won four in a row? I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. I'm, I'm one and one with Jed, Jed now, so that means I get we get our trilogy fight. I will be back. I don't need to face AK Lee anymore. He's 0-3. We're done here. I told him I will be the Poirier to his McGregor, and he can come and get it anytime he wants, but I'm done now. We're just done with him. It's three wins in a row. I've moved on. You, as Ariel's best friend, Daniel Cormier, said, you can't call it a rivalry when you don't win one. Wow. AK hasn't won one. Jed, you and me, next week, since, since Ariel doesn't want to welcome your challenge, let's make it another week. Let's do this one more time and settle this. Look, I'm a fighting champ, Mike. I'll take whoever whoever you put against me. It doesn't matter. Tuesday, Thursday, it don't matter. <laughs> I'm in. Wow. That's a good promo. By the way, I wish you gave this promo like three minutes ago. <laughs> I would have scored it for you. That was a good promo right there. Mike, yeah. I will I will give one caveat. I'll I'll face Spencer Kite anytime unless you're gonna finally get me Colby Covington because there's no man I want to give the business to on this program more than Colby Covington. Wow. Well I would pay for that. I would pay for that too. Unfortunately, we probably won't be able to make that happen until after the proposed fight with Kamaru Usman because when Colby's in fight camp and a fight is on the books, he goes radio silence on pretty much everybody. So uh, I don't think we're going to get that soon, but I will try for you, Jed. I, I make a, a solemn promise from one friend to another. Is that, is that enough for you? That's uh, good enough for me. And then real quick, AK, just sitting there, just taking verbal abuse from everybody. Like this is just, I mean, what, what is your response to what we saw and the, that two minutes of knockout round action, the ruling, and just some of the words that have been thrown in your direction. I I really liked Spencer's answer, frankly, for the final. But now, you know, no, now you you can sit on it, Spencer. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, I don't know why, why, like why, I, why, why, why come out to me like that? Uh, you know, I'll just say I'm glad. I, I was I'm really glad Arrow was here. Arrow, I am sorry, I let you down. I should have been here in the final. Uh, hopefully we'll get this opportunity again and I will be back. But I do think you were, you were a fair man. I think you made, as you said, you overcame your natural disdain for Jed Mishu that all of us have. And I think you made a fair, a fair, just call. Uh, so uh, your presence was very, very welcome, sir. And uh, your presence in general, being back with us, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, and, and then I'll be back in earnest, uh, I guess, ne starting next week. So that's awesome. Yes, sir. Thank you. Scotty Barnes. Won't Scott, be with here. Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. It's crazy. How did we get the best player in the draft at the fourth? Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. All right. These guys hey. have no idea what we're talking about. No, oh, actually, Spencer does. Yeah. Jed has no idea. Mike, I'm not sure. Basketball fan, Mike, or no? Yeah, I'm more of a, I'm a nostalgic bas basketball fan. Okay. Great. I miss the 90s. Miss the 80, late 80s, early, you know, <laughs> no, 90s no. day. But here we are. Uh, Ariel, we'll give you the final word, my man. The day is vast approaching. What do you want to say to the folks as we get ready for the next chapter of the MMA hour and your return to MMA fighting on Monday? Oh wow! Uh, what an honor. Uh, I'm just—I ha just hope I don't screw it up. Uh, you guys have done a great job uh, in my departure. I'm sorry for leaving. I'll never do it again. And I can't wait to get the ball rolling. I got to sit in that studio on Monday, and man, you can go home again. You really can. And it just felt like—it felt like home. I never thought I'd be able to do that again. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope people are excited about the show as much as I am and I will also say it's been nice to have a little break here uh, the longest break of my career uh, I just really wanted everyone to miss me and uh, I think it worked so we did all right we're back baby we're back August 16th Monday 1 p.m. Eastern 
There you go. Get excited, everybody, as we get ready to put a bow on this edition of Between the Links. We'll see you on Tuesday. Not next week. We're going to see you on Tuesday, our new day. Make sure you follow us. Subscribe on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network and never miss a show. So for AK, Spencer Kite, Jed Mishu, our judge, Ariel Hawani, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back once again next time Between the Links. Good night, everybody. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.